What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up, Disrupt Nation? What's going on, guys? Thank you guys so much for being here this evening. Uh, you could be anywhere else in the world right now, uh, but you're here with us. So for that, we thank you. Uh, I kind of feel I I'm kind of feeling those 2020 uh, vibes, right? So in the past uh, two years since uh, the pandemic the pandemic, whatever you want to call it, uh, locked down the economy and kind of restructured uh, the entire way that people do business, there has been two camps of people, right? So there have been the people that have chosen to thrive, people that have chosen to adapt and um, serve the market and provide value. And there are those that, that have been left behind. And, you know, a lot of people kind of thought COVID was over, right? We took off the masks. We took off the masks on the airplanes. Uh, we took off the the uh, masks on um, at movie theaters, Broadway shows. All these things started opening up. And we thought, oh, wow, we're going to get back to normal, right? It's the new normal, and we're going to get back to normal. Um, and the scary part about that is... Just as we're coming off of the pandemic, just as we're coming off of the recession, just as we think that uh, we're going to get back to business as usual, now we have hyperinflation hitting, right? And if you've been to any of my masterclasses in the past, we talk a lot about hyperinflation. That's why I'm a huge proponent of uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and what um, that transparent financial, decentralized financial alternative uh, can do for the world, right? Um, but all that money printing that we did in 2020, all that money printing is now catching up to us. Uh, you know, Biden wants to blame it on uh, Russia and Putin. Uh, but we all know that the gas prices were going high way before uh, that international conflict started. Um, and uh, essentially, I mean, we're we're heading towards ten dollar a gallon gasoline. Right. And. Uh, the price of food is going up. The price of housing has been skyrocketing, right? Um, and what started out looking like kind of a normal recession, maybe a, a normal restructuring the economy, maybe a normal, um, you know, a, a normal amount of inflation is now starting to snowball. And we're starting to see the effects in the uh, consumer market. So I wanted to do this class kind of similar to what we were doing back in 2020 when it first started. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers we were doing uh, recession-proof radio and we started doing live streams when the, the, when the lockdown started, that two weeks to slow the spread uh, for every single day of those two weeks. Uh, we started going live, providing value, bringing on guest speakers, guest mentors, um, and kind of giving people a road map and a, and a playbook. Um, I've been through many recessions. I've been through many economic restructurings. I've had and owned businesses in 2008, right? This happened before. In 2008, we had a huge recession. Um, people were saying it was the end of the world there. Uh, in 2001, right? And 2000, we had the dot-com bubble, and then we had 9-11 all, all together, all rolled into one. And again, people said it was the end of the world there. And in every single instance in human history, where you have an economic restructuring, you will also simultaneously have one of the biggest opportunities to generate wealth, 
uh, and to, you know, the, they say that the rich get richer, right? And the poor don't get a fucking thing, right? And so that's what happens. In times like this, the rich get richer, the prices of real estate go up, right? The prices of assets, right? We've seen the stock market hit record time highs, cryptocurrency hitting record time highs, right? So simultaneously, your purchasing power of the dollars in your pocket go down. Um, and small businesses, as a cause and effect, actually get hurt. And if those businesses are not restructuring, if those businesses are not reacting and adapting uh, to what's going on in the marketplace, well, then they're going to get left behind. And uh, I would like to call myself uh, like a purebred entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur since uh, since I was 18, even 16. By, by the time I was legal to have a bank account, I was making money online, making money on the internet, um, generated millions of dollars uh, before I was legally able to drive a car. Um, and I've seen this happen before. The, the point of all that is to say I've seen this uh, book play out before. And I wish I had a time machine. I wish I could go back and uh, share with uh, the earlier version of myself uh, some of the secrets that I'm going to be sharing uh, in tonight's presentation. Um, and then at the end, I'm going to open it up for Q&A. If anybody has questions uh, throughout the night, please drop them in the comments, and I'll do my best to answer uh, everyone's questions. Okay, cool. So first and foremost, I want to welcome you again. Thank you guys so much for being here this evening. You could be anywhere else in the world, but you've chosen to spend some time uh, with me. And that says a lot about you, right? That's an investment. You have made an investment in your time, in your energy, uh, in your uh, attention to not go to TikTok, not go to Netflix, not go to the 101 things uh, that we know are out there to distract you. And you've actually tuned into something to try to educate yourself, better yourself. Um, so for that, I want to welcome you and, and commend you. Um, all right, cool. So who am I? So uh, my name is Tony Delgado. Uh, I've been an uh, investor, entrepreneur, software developer, hacker, creator. Um, it almost feels like since the beginning of the internet. So I had my first computer when I was... Uh, in the second grade, uh, and I started having an obsession with making money online. And the first thing that I did to make money online was I sold uh, something that could probably have gotten me in trouble, right? Something that uh, today, I mean, hopefully I think the statute of limitations is out, uh, but something that today uh, would probably wouldn't sell, uh, but back then it could have gotten you in a lot of trouble. Um, and I started making... At that point, I remember I wanted to become a millionaire since the, the age that I was like 16. And I did the mathematics, right? I was really good at math. And the mathematics added up to $3,000 a day. So if I could make $3,000 per day, compound that by 365 days in a year, uh, then I would end up at a million dollars. So at that time, I was selling things on eBay and Amazon. And I had an aha moment. It's like, oh my God, uh, if I can get... Uh, my e-commerce to generate $3,000 per day, and I can do that consistently through the course of the year, I can become a millionaire, right? I don't have to work. I don't have to, uh, you know, basically work a 40-hour work week for uh, a job that I hate, right? And, and, and die and be unhappy and be miserable. No, I want to retire. And that was one of the funniest things that I said in high school uh, to my teachers. I, they were like, what do you want to do when you get out of high school? And I said, I want to retire, right? I always wanted to retire early. 
And, you know, as I made money and, and, and as I created businesses, I found that the sport of making businesses and the sport of having an impact and changing people's lives, um, was just as fun, if not more fun than the quote unquote retirement, right? Working because you want to and not because you have to, right? Um, but so, so back then, back in the time machine, I'm 16 years old. I do the math. I'm like $3,000 a day. Great. I just need to sell X amount of t-shirts. At that time, I was selling t-shirts uh, on the internet. And I started getting customers from all around the world, right? I started getting customers from uh, Japan, from Korea, from France, Germany, right? Not only New York and New Jersey and California and the United States, but people from all around the world were sending me money. And I was they were trusting me by sending me money through PayPal. Um, and then I would get their product, whether it was a hat, a t-shirt, whatever, put it in a put it in a box and ship it out to them. And uh, later on in my career, I'm gonna I'm gonna share um uh, a couple of different stories, uh, but I started uh, multiple e-commerce businesses that went on to generate millions and millions of dollars uh, online. And uh, one of the first uh, businesses that I created was selling T-shirts. So you would buy a T-shirt. The T-shirt would cost you, let's say, $10. You would sell it for $25. You would charge 5 to $10 for shipping, and you would be essentially doubling your money. And so I was making all of this money, but then you had fees, you had shipping and handling, you had time and expenses. So even though in my, um, I think it was about my second year of doing eBay, I had generated close to a million dollars in sales. When I looked at my bank account and I looked at my profit sheet, I was like, wow, uh, where'd the money go, right? The money was coming in, but the money was going right back out. Um, and that's when I learned one of the most important lessons that I ever learned in the business. And that is something that I say all the time. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you keep. Uh, so that's why you need to be really careful of your taxes. I talk all about Puerto Rico uh, and why that's a great place to relocate to uh, give the government a little bit less of your money. Um, but it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you keep, right? So you can make a million dollars, but if you spend 2 million to get there, then you're hustling backwards, right? Um, and then uh, around that same time, like I said, we lived through uh, the dot-com bubble. We lived through 9-11. Uh, we lived through uh, the Great Recession of 2008. We lived through COVID now with 2020, right? And every single time that we've seen these great economic shifts, I've seen trends. I've noticed the trends. What are the 1% doing to get ahead? And what can you do to emulate uh, that success? Um, so, but that's a little bit about me, uh, and my backstory, uh, since then, since I was just selling, uh, stuff online on eBay and Amazon, I've, uh, went on to sell numerous businesses, uh, and work with some of the most influential people in the world. So people like Grant Cardone, uh, Ty Lopez, uh, Eric Thomas, Brock Pierce, uh, Les Brown, some of the most influential people from all around the world. Uh, we have had the pleasure of working with. Um, I've also spoken on some really cool stages. So spoken on stages uh, from TED, from Social Media Week, South by Southwest, Microsoft, IBM, um, and been able to share my message with uh, people from all around the world. So super, super grateful and humble for uh, all of the stages that we've been able to speak on. Um, also been 
featured in a bunch of cool places, right? Forbes, Entrepreneur, uh, and a lot of cool media and publications. But it, it wasn't always like this, right? Um, so my beginning story is uh, pretty humble, right? I grew up with a single mom, didn't grow up rich, uh, grew up pretty uh, average. Um, we, we had to make ends meet, right? Not necessarily with a silver spoon in my mouth. And then on top of that, to make matters worse, I was always getting in trouble in school. So I had gotten kicked out of kindergarten, gotten kicked out of second grade, gotten kicked out of middle school. I was bouncing around from school to school to school. Um, I was really smart, so I never got left back. They could never leave me back. Um, but I was always getting into trouble. Always, I, I had a teacher tell me when I was uh, in middle school that I was going to grow up to be a junkie. Uh, and uh, basically, by the time I got to high school, I barely graduated. Right? They were they were begging me. My teachers were begging me, please just drop out, go get a GED. And I had to be a stand and say, no, I'm not going to drop out. I'm going to finish. Um, but you know, by any measure of what the traditional school system might consider you a success. I was not right. My grades were, you know, average B's and C's just enough to kind of skate by. Um, uh, again, I was constantly getting into trouble, but the biggest reason that I was getting into trouble was because I questioned authority, right? So a teacher would present something, present a fact. And the first thing that I would do is raise my hand and say, Hey, wait, what about this? And that's one of the biggest things, um, you know, I've gone on to now become a millionaire and, and build uh, numerous successful businesses, right? Uh, but when I was getting started, it didn't look good, right? I was, I was getting in trouble, uh, getting in trouble with the cops when I, when I was a teenager, um, getting in trouble with, with uh, schoolmates, classmates, getting into fights, like literally you, you name it, drinking, like you name it, I was getting into trouble when I was a, a, a young knucklehead. Right. So by every measure of the traditional school system, you would call me a failure. Right. Um, but the thing that I realized is the traditional school system, it actually does not reward success. Right. Entrepreneurs are people that look for different solutions, disruptive solutions, solutions that are not there. It's so funny when uh, I came up with the name disrupt for um for my company when I moved to Puerto Rico, uh, my mom was laughing and saying, Yeah, you were always disruptive in class. You were the first one to disrupt everybody, right? Um, but the traditional school system wants to put you in a box, right? Uh, the school system was not designed to create business leaders. It wasn't designed to create influencers, to create uh, innovators and thinkers. The school system was designed to create factory workers, right? So if you want to work in a factory, then the school system was a great place to do that. Um, and they figured out that they needed to design these systems uh, to get people uh, to learn how to be effective factory workers. Cause at that time it was a really, really, really big problem uh, in getting factory workers, right? They need to know how to read just good enough. They need to know how to write just good enough. They need to know how to do some math just good enough. Right. But they also needed to not question authority. So one of the biggest things that school kind of beats out of you is that spirit of innovation is that spirit of, of entrepreneurship is that spirit of thinking differently. Right. Um, and you got to think when you go to school, right, you take your SATs, they give you a multiple choice question, right? So they're going to tell you, Hey, uh, here's a question and there's four solutions and there's only one right solution, A, B, C, or D and, and choose one. Right. And the thing that you realize once you get into the real world, once you get into the business world is that there's more than one solution to any given problem, 
right? There's multiple solutions. And the most successful solution in business is going to be the solution that hasn't been thought of yet, right? So it's not going to be A, B, C, or D. It's going to be a completely different solution that no one else has thought of, right? So look at Uber, right? Before Uber, every single taxi company thought that they had to own every single car. And what Uber did was outsource the cars, outsource the maintenance of the vehicles, the purchasing of the vehicles, the gasoline, the insurance. And they were able to crowdsource and create the biggest car transportation company in the whole entire world doesn't own one vehicle, right? Take a look at Airbnb. You have the same example. The biggest hospitality um, uh, real estate company owns no real estate, right? Biggest, most selection, the most crazy mansions, most crazy availability from the, the cheapest uh, place to eat and, and, and sleep to the most expensive mansion you can rent on Airbnb and they own none of it. They own no real estate. Biggest real estate company owns no real estate. Uber, biggest car company owns no cars, right? And that's what a disruptive mindset is. It's the ability to... Um, to create not based on what you have, but based on what is available in the marketplace. And that is literally the definition of having an abundant mindset, right? It's being able to go in and say, no, I don't need to own every single car to create the biggest car company. I don't need to own every single house to create the biggest real estate company, right? Um, and people that are able to think that way and see that the world's resources are actually available to them, right? Every single person in the world, and especially now, uh, thanks to the digital economy, especially now, thanks to the internet, right? Every single thought leader, business leader, politician, you name it, is available to you thanks to social media. So you can go on Instagram right now and you can tweet at Elon Musk. You can go on Instagram right now and you can tweet at uh, the presidents of countries, the governors, the mayors, the CEOs of all the top companies in the world. They are literally at your fingertips now thanks to the digital economy, right? They were always there, uh, but it would have been a lot harder to hop on a horse and, and try to go and meet all these people. Now, you're one click away from all the knowledge in the world, all the thought leaders in the world, all the business in the world. The world has now gotten a lot smaller thanks to globalization, right? And so as we're seeing these these new recessions, right? Since 2000, every single recession has happened in the digital age. So as we've seen these new recessions, we've seen new millionaires get created every single time. Every single time there's a recession, there are a handful of businesses that come out the other end and they come out 10 times more successful than they were uh, when they started. Um, and, and that's why we're doing this presentation today. Uh, we're going to be talking about how to build a recession-proof business and learn how to thrive in any economy, right? And we're right now we're at the precipice. We're at the precipice of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to dominate in your business and your industry. So whether you have an existing business and you're looking to scale it and get it to the next level, right? Um, or you have a new business and you're you're trying to um, to take advantage of the opportunity that's out there, now is actually the best time to start. Best time to start was not in the bull run. The best time to start is not when um, the economy's at its peak. Because when the economy's at its peak, all your competitors are strong, right? All your competitors are strong. The, the market is flothy. And there's not a lot of pain. You see, every single business that exists, exists as a reaction to pain. 
right? So the only reason, there's only two reasons that people buy anything in this world. I don't care if it's food. I don't care if it's a book, a course. I don't care if it's uh, gasoline in their tank. There's only two reasons that people spend money in this world. Reason number one is to gain pleasure. And reason number two is to escape pain. And reason number two is much more powerful than reason number one. People will spend a lot more money trying to escape pain than they ever will trying to chase pleasure, believe it or not, right? People can be comfortable on Instagram. People can be comfortable playing Xbox, right? To get comfort, especially in this modern uh, world that we're living in, you don't need to spend that much money, right? But to escape pain, if there's pain there, it's a sense of urgency, people will spend everything to escape pain, right? So right now, gasoline. It's heading towards $10 a gallon. I don't want that to happen, but that's the, the fact and the reality of what we're looking at. So gasoline's heading, heading towards $10 a gallon, but why are people willing to pay $10 a gallon? Well, people are willing to pay $10 a gallon because they don't want to walk. Because walking is extremely painful, right? Walking to work, if you even if you lived five miles, right? Five miles in a car, no problem right? Five miles walking back and forth. That's 10 miles. That's going to take a lot of time, going to take a lot of energy, going to take a lot of pain, right? There's a lot of pain on that, on that walking side. So the prices of gasoline can honestly go, um, even higher than they are. I hope that they don't, I hope that they settle down, but the price of gasoline can go 10 times higher than it is today. Um, because the amount of pain, involved in not using gasoline is way higher uh, than it is to walk, right? Um, but essentially, I mean, the world is changing, right? The consumer behavior changes a lot when you hit a recession, right? Uh, people's spending habits transfer from pleasure and um, discretionary spending, right? Things that you don't really need, but they're nice to haves. And they move towards uh, pain. They move towards things that people actually do need, right? Um, and let's look a little bit at the data. Um, so here are the uh, consumer spending habits uh, for this year, for 2022. Um, and as you see, the things that are on the rise are literally the strict essentials. So number one is groceries, right? Food, food on the table, right? So if you're in, um, and then interestingly, all the way here at the bottom, I just want to point that out, right? Because groceries is a food category, um, but so is eating out. And eating out is the one category that is in complete decline, right? So if you're a fast food restaurant or some sort of a takeout place, right? You're going to want to figure out how do I not become part of this 30-something percent uh, that's getting left behind? How do I uh, maybe adjust my pricing, come out with a lunch menu, right, and do something to adjust so that this discretionary spending that's going up as groceries, right, how do I get a, how do I get a piece of that, right? But let's just focus right now on the growth. So the growth, we have grocery spending is at all-time highs, uh, utilities, gas bills, gasoline we spoke about, um, the cost of just powering your home and those things are, are at sky rise, uh, uh, skyrocketing. Um, education, right? Education, whether it's self-education, um, courses, people learn how to, how to do new things, accelerating their growth, uh, children's growth, um, 
Childcare is again hitting record time highs. Again, people adapted to the pandemic. So in the pandemic, they told you you have to stay home. You have to stay home. There's no other choice. Uh, you need to stay home to, to keep everybody safe, right? And I, I'm not here to debate whether or not that was true or not. Um, but if you follow me on Instagram, you probably know my views on it. But there was so much pain involved with staying home that the prices of real estate then skyrocketed, right? Because people wanted nicer homes, right? So some things are crashing, right? Some things are going down. But then the cost of homes are going up because people want to live in a nicer home, especially the cost of homes in Florida, right? Florida has really nice homes, homes with pools, homes with uh, ocean views, nice climate, nice place to be. So those homes went up. Real estate in New York and some other places pulled back a little bit, right? Um, so the next category is financial services, right? Uh, rent and mortgages are also up um, and home maintenance. And now Every single other category here, uh, we have. Let me make this a little bit bigger. Okay, great. We have um, in-home entertainment is up, right? Everybody's at home, uh, paying off debts, credit cards, loans, interest rates. That's kind of a wash. Uh, and then uh, we have food delivery, takeout, um, electronic devices, technology, right? iPhones and those types of things, they last a lot longer than they used to. Uh, home improvements are down. Gym memberships and sports clubs are down, right? They keep changing the, the rules. First, you have to have a mask on the treadmill. Uh, then you don't. And then, then the gym's closed. Then it's open again, right? So people started working out at home. Uh, so gym memberships are down. Um, clothing and apparel is down, right? If you're working from home, you don't necessarily need as much new clothes. Uh, so clothing apparel down 20%. Um, holiday spending, uh, both domestic and international are both down, right? People are not traveling as much, They're not spending, uh, as much. And then out of home entertainment and out of home dining. Uh, so basically movie theaters, Broadway shows, right? We spoke about this earlier. Um, these discretionary spending habits, the things that they're, they're not the needs, they're the nice to haves. All those nice to haves are going out of the window and anything that's inconvenient is going out of the window, right? So if I can learn from home, if I can eat my groceries at home, uh, then I'm going to want to do that, right? But everything that involves um, uh, going out, anything that involves being a nice to have, uh, those things are uh, going to be constantly getting cut, right? Um, and uh, my business partner, Alan Barak at Latino Wall Street, he had a meeting with uh, J.P. Morgan Chase's director of uh, consumer spending, and they said that the trends that they're seeing right now is um, the market is moving towards the necessities, right? So, again, groceries, uh, food, utility bills, gasoline, right? And What's happening is there's now less discretionary income in everyone's pocket, right? So if your gasoline bill doubled, right? You used to spend $50 to fill up your tank. Now it's $100, right? You used to spend uh, $100 at the grocery store. Now it's $200, right? You used to spend um, $2,000 for rent. Now it's $2,500, right? That creates less discretionary income, less discretionary spending. Um, and then spending habits are just going to change. They, they're just going to, right? And we've seen this before. So 
2008, we had the big economic meltdown. Everybody said, oh, my God, the world is over, right? Um, please, someone save us. Uh, there was a, a, a black man elected president. Uh, they said that he was going to do hope and change. Everybody, everybody was so happy. Uh, but then simultaneously, as he's getting into office, we have the biggest uh, real estate and, and financial collapse uh, that, that we've seen in the last two decades, right? And what we saw was consumer behavior change, right? So the same consumer that may have been willing and may, may have had $500 of extra discretionary spending every month, right? Now that discretionary spending goes down, right? And the companies that are able to adapt, the companies that are able to uh, adapt their pricing model, um, adapt the value that they're able to provide, Right? How can you provide more value inside the same price? Right, You don't always have to lower your, your um, prices, but you can provide more value inside the same price. Right, um, Those are the people that are going to thrive. Um, in 2008, I had a business. I had a, a brick-and-mortar business. Uh, we were a clothing store, so we sold things, uh, T-shirts and, and uh, sneakers and hats and all sorts of clothing items. And we were able to bring that business online. Right, And just as the local economy was shrinking. We opened up our same products, same services to the global economy, and we were able to completely expand our business. Uh, ended up going on to generate millions of dollars in e-commerce, um, and that was all because we just focused on a different market. Right? We didn't necessarily change our pricing too much. We didn't necessarily change uh, our offers, what we were selling, uh, our products. Right? We just addressed a different market. We said, "Hey." We're going to stop focusing on the local market. We're going to expand and focus on a global market. And that was able to um, expand the business ex exponentially. Um, so we're going to talk about how to reinvent your business uh, to become recession proof, right? And again, it's going to be the people that adapt. It's going to be the people that, um, that apply these strategies, apply these secrets that are going to be able to get to the next level um, during this pandemic. Okay, so next up, the three secret strategies to survive and thrive in any economy. And these tips are going to be directly um, from three of my top mentors, uh, millionaires, billionaires, badasses, uh, some, some dudes with uh, a lot of experience in the business uh, and entrepreneurial space. Uh, so I'm really, really excited to share uh, these three secrets with you. Um, so the first one is to be not only customer focused, but customer obsessed, right? So it's no longer enough to just focus on your clients. You actually need to be obsessed with their needs, right? So what does that look like in, in actual practice, right? So in practice, that looks like taking customer surveys, taking customer phone calls, um, Following up with clients. If clients are canceling, why are they canceling? If clients are upgrading, why are they upgrading? Right? If clients are purchasing, what did they like about the experience? What didn't they like? Getting those customer satisfaction surveys and really obsessing over your customers' experience. The people that obsess over their customers in this time, listen, people are still going to spend money. There's still millions and millions and millions of transactions that are happening every single day, every single second, uh, and money is still... Um, moving through the system, right? Money never disappears. Money only changes hands, 
right? So how can you, in this economic restructuring that's happening, how can you put yourself in the position where the money that's changing hands, you're providing enough value to the marketplace, providing enough value to your customers, being so obsessed with your customer experience that the value that you're providing to the market far exceeds uh, the value that you're taking and uh, in return, your business will thrive, right? Um, and I learned this from one of my mentors, uh, the great Grant Cardone. Um, one of the other quotes that I really love from Grant, um, he says that cash is trash. And I remember the first time that I heard him say that, I was like, dude, what do you mean cash is trash? Like cash is the game, right? Money is the game. Um, and once I made a little bit more money, I, I kind of understood what he meant. So money is just a tool, right? Money is a tool that can be deployed to make you move faster, right? But if you try to hoard money, um, it's almost like, um, it's almost like a cat, right? If you chase a cat, cat's, cat's going to run, right? Um, and if you hoard money, it's almost like a blood clot, right? Like blood is good. You need blood. You need blood going through your system. Uh, oxygen, you need oxygen going through your system. Water, you need water going through your system, right? But if you hold your breath, or if you hold your arm and you stop your blood from flowing, then you're going to get a blood clot and you're going to get sick. If you hold your breath, you're going to run out of oxygen. You're going to get sick. So it's the same thing that happens with your money, right? You want to take all your money, put it under uh, a blanket, and you don't let the money flow. Money flows like water, right? So if you don't let the money flow, you don't deploy it. Now, again, you need to deploy it smart. But if you don't deploy it into your employees, you don't deploy it into your advertising, your marketing, you don't deploy it into the marketplace, then it's going to get stagnant. Um, inflation is going to eat it up. But even worse than that, your competitors are going to eat you up. Um, so if you try to hold on to money too much and hoard it, um, there are so many economic uh, factors. And you can look at it from like a spiritual kind of like Deepak Chopra, another one of my mentors like talks about this, like from a spiritual sense, you want the money to flow, Right. But when the more that you hold on to money, the less that it flows, right? So cash is really trash. Cash is something, uh, it's an exchange of value. It is a, a representation of your hard work. It's a representation of democracy and capitalism, right? People are able to vote with their dollars for the businesses they believe in, right? Um, but you never want to hoard money, right? You want to put your capital use, whether it's buying real estate, investing in the stock market, investing in cryptocurrency, investing into your education, investing into coaching, consulting, uh, marketing, advertising, strategy, um, working with uh, growing your team, right? Um, if you're not deploying the capital, well, then it's just sitting there and then it's like a blood clot, right? Blood is really good when it's flowing through you. Uh, but if you hold on to it, then, then it's going to get you sick. Um, okay. So secret number two is you gotta be hungry. Uh, so this is uh, a great quote uh, from my good friend and mentor, uh, the great Les Brown. And Les Brown talks about hunger. Um, in my private mastermind interview with him, uh, we talked about the definition of being hungry, right? So Les is over 70 years old, and he's still doing shows all around the world, right? One of the most epic uh, uh, motivational speakers of our lifetime, right? But he could be retired, right? At 70, it, it would be... Well, very fair for him to be retired, right? Um, but he's not. And the thing that he said to me was so, so, so prolific. He said, I want to make sure 
that when I'm in the grave, every single drop of me is used up, right? Every single drop of potential, every single drop of value that the world can get from me, I want to make sure that it's all used up, right? Um, and I think, again, a lot of people get into business, they get into entrepreneurship, um, and they get into it you know, really for the wrong reasons, right? We get into it because we want to make money for ourselves, right? But once you realize that the real key um, to leaving a legacy, living a life of fulfillment, um, and exploding your business is providing value to others, right? You get, again, obsessed with your customer, obsessed with the value that you provide, obsessed with using yourself to every last drop, right? And being obsessed with being hungry, right? Again, a lot of businesses got left behind in 2020, but a lot of businesses thrived, right? And now the stimulus money is running out. Now the money printer isn't uh, going as much as it was, right? And now people have to make a choice. Do they want to thrive or do they want to get left behind? Are they going to stay hungry, right? Really, really, really easy to be hungry when you're broke, uh, gets a little bit harder to be hungry when you hit six figures. Increasingly hungry, uh, harder to stay hungry uh, after you hit a million, right? So whatever stage of business that you're in, you need to be hungry, but you need to be hungry not only for the impact that business can make in your life, but you need to be hungry for the impact that your business can make in the lives of people all around the world. Um, and that is something that I learned from the great uh, Les Brown. Um. Number three is to take 100% ownership for the situation that you're in, whether it's good or whether it's bad, right? Um, everything is your fault. Even if it's not your fault, you're going to want it to be your fault um, because that's going to put you in a position of power. The most disempowering place that you can be uh, is in a victim mentality. So if you're able to take 100% ownership for your business, 100% ownership for your customers, your employees, your clients, your marketing, your, your advertising, your finances, right? If you take 100% ownership, then you're in the driver's seat, right? Then you have control. If you take 100% ownership, then you're in control. You're in the driver's seat, Right? then you actually have the power to change it, the power to impact it. But if you do not take ownership, if you play the victim card, if you act like it's the president's fault, it's the governor's fault, it's the government's fault, right? Well, then even if that's true, right? I don't know who the president of your country is, but even if it's true that Joe Biden came to your house and took your money, right? Even if it's true that it's someone else's fault, it still needs to be your fault. It still needs to be your responsibility. You still need to take 100% ownership because that puts you in a place of power. If it's your fault, if you take ownership, if it's your responsibility, well, then you can impact change. Then you can do something about it, right? But if you're waiting around for someone to save you, you're waiting around for AOC to save you, waiting around for Biden to save you, these people are not going to save you. The only person you are the, this is another great quote from another mentor, Bob Proctor, rest in peace. Um, you are the only problem that you have and you are the only solution. And that's so freaking empowering. You are the only problem, but you are the only solution. And what that means is you have to be willing to put in the work. 
You have to be willing to, quote unquote, hustle, innovate, right? Um, so the next mentor that I want to talk about is Billy Jean is marketing. Who knows Billy Jean? Shout out to Billy Jean. Met him. Uh, we spoke on stage together at the uh, Les Brown uh, Mastermind in New York City. Um, so Billy Jean is a character. Um, he taught me one thing around taking ownership. He said, open your bank account, open the app in your phone uh, and take a look. And if you are happy with the results, then that's great. But if you're not happy with the results, um, well, then it's time for you to take ownership. It's time for you to take action, right? Um, because the results that are in your bank account, they are the results of how much value that you put into the marketplace. And I don't think he put it as eloquently as I just put it. Um, but that was the sentiment, right? The results that you have, whether it's financially, spiritually, in business, um, in your personal life, the results that you have are a result of your actions. You're your only problem. You're your only solution. And what that means, again, it is empowering because what that means is you can change it, right? So if you're in a good position right now, you can change it. You can make your position better. If you're in a tough position right now, you can change it. You can make better, right? Um, but until you're able to take ownership over everything that is happening in your life, in your business, um, then you, you know, you're know you going to get stuck and you're not going to be able to get to the next level. Um, so the biggest challenge, the biggest problem that I see with entrepreneurs is they fall into this media kind of news CNN narrative of victimhood of blaming others for their results, of blaming outside circumstances, right? When you blame outside circumstances, um, you have kind of no options. You have no uh, recourse. You have no uh, ability to do anything about it. Um, and so as you're able to uh, take ownership for the things that you're doing, uh, as you're able to take responsibility, right, for the decisions that you make and even the decisions that others have made, uh, that is the only way that you're going to be able to make your business great again um, and get your business to the next level. Um, and that is why we are hosting the next Disrupt Recession Proof Bootcamp. Uh, we hosted this event. Uh, I don't know if anybody on the live was here for the last one. Uh, we hosted this event about six months back. Uh, super, super incredible. We focused on the three M's of success. Uh, so I'll go ahead and talk about those. So the three M's of success are uh, money. So first and foremost, um, money is a magnet. Money is a tool. And if you're not able to uh, learn how to invest, if you're not able to, again, um, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you keep, right? So if you're not able to learn the financial strategies uh, to give yourself uh, more time and financial freedom to have your money working for you, even when you're not working, right? If you're not able to learn those strategies, well, then you're going to get stuck. You're going to get left behind. Um, so 
Number one is money, right? You need to be able to master the game of money. I made a lot of money when I was young, but I was telling my wife earlier, I wish I knew everything that I knew now because just as fast as I made the money, I spent it, right? Um, living by my means. I, I thought I was rich when I was a little kid. It's balling out and, um, and not reinvesting it properly into things that are going to create a financial uh, legacy for not only you, but your family and your future generations, right? So number one is, is money. Money and master the game. Uh, number two is mindset, right? Discover the proven strategies to reprogram yourself for success and learn how to uh, achieve unimaginable levels of happiness, wealth, um, abundance, abundance in your business, abundance in your uh, your career, right? You don't really have to be an entrepreneur, right? Um, there's also a path called being an intrapreneur, right? And being an entrepreneur, I was an entrepreneur uh, probably half my life, right? And I and I went through phases where I, where I went back and forth. But being an entrepreneur is great because you get to work with more experienced entrepreneurs with bigger businesses, people that kind of have it figured out. There are a couple couple of steps ahead of you, right? Um, so I'm a big, big fan of being an entrepreneur, um, but again, not being an employee, right? There's a big difference between being an entrepreneur, right? An entrepreneur inside of an organization. That means you're driving the organization. You want the organization to grow. You want the organization to make money. You want the organization to succeed. You want to innovate. You want to serve the clients. You want to serve the business. You want to serve the organization, right? That's being an entrepreneur and being an employee. I get here at nine o'clock, I punch out at nine o'clock, hope I get my 401k so I roll over and die, right? Those are two completely different types of, of business opportunities, right? Um, so I'm a big, big fan of being an entrepreneur, big, big fan of, of having a career, um, really earning your stripes and learning your stripes, right? I see so many young kids nowadays that they want to skip the step of actually uh, working some sort of a nine to five job, working in some sort of a, a corporate uh, America setting, and you lose so much. There's so much that you won't learn because you're only going to work with startups. You're only going to work with other crazy entrepreneurs with two or three employees. You'll never learn the skills and the strategies to scale a business uh, to over a million dollars, right? Because all your friends are going to be like small time entrepreneurs like you, right? So, um, you know, one of the hacks to that is joining a mastermind group, right? If you have a business that's making six to seven figures and you want to figure out how do I get to eight, nine, and 10, right? Then you join a mastermind group and you get around those types of people. You join some sort of a community where you can get around those sorts of people. Um, but number one, before you have to even do all of that, is you can be an entrepreneur, right? If you're getting started and you're like, hey, I, I really like uh, technology or I really like fashion or I really like X, Y, and Z, I think I might want to be an entrepreneur at some point. Be an entrepreneur, right? Um, so so that's the second M. The second M is mindset, right? Um, and, you know, getting out of your own way, right? Again, if all your problems are caused by you, then you're the only solution. And then if you're able to get out of your own way, get out of your own head, uh, then you can get to the next level. Um, the the one quote that I freaking love, or it's a, it's a short story. It's about the world record holder, and I should get all the names and the stats for this. Um, uh, the world record holder for for sprinting. Uh, so it's the three minute mile, right? Um, before uh, this gentleman in the 1960s had ever ran faster than three minutes, nobody in the whole world had ever done it. Um, 
They thought that if you ran faster than a mile in three minutes, you would literally die. Your heart would explode. You would just freaking die right there on, on the track, right? So if you think that, then you're never going to want to run that fast. Um, and then I, I believe, I think it's Neil Armstrong. Don't, don't quote me on that. Um, but, but the, the, the gentleman breaks the record in the sixties. And then after that, um, I, I think five more people that year broke the record because he showed, Oh, look, I can do it. I ran a mile in three minutes. Why can't you? Right. So as soon as the record was broken, more people just started breaking the record, breaking the record. And now that's a normal thing. Kids in, in high school and college are, are able to do that, and, and it's no big deal. But it was a mental barrier. The barrier was not um, only physical. It was a mental barrier that then gets placed on, on your physical body as well, right? So a lot of people have those limited beliefs in their business, right? If you've never if, – if, if your parents never had a multi-million dollar business, right, your friends, your family members, you don't know anyone who's done that before – well, then that's going to seem outrageous, right? And until you're able to surround yourself with the right people and or reprogram your brain for success, figure out what's uh, fiction from reality, right? A lot of the things that happen up here, a lot of things that happen up here in your brain, a lot of them are fiction. A lot of them are not real. Um, so the sooner that you're able to reprogram your brain for success, uh, the sooner that you're going to be able to take uh, your business and your life to the next level. Um, so that's mindset. Uh, and then the third is marketing, right? So digital marketing, the thing that we're doing right now, right? Communicating on the internet, right? That is a skill. That is probably the most valuable business skill that you can have in 2022 going into this new economy is the power to communicate online is the power of marketing, right? Um, I was marketing back in MySpace days, uh, I was marketing back when Twitter, you couldn't even upload an image to Twitter. It was just a text-based platform. You, you couldn't even share a link. If you shared a link, um, uh, it wouldn't even open it up and show you what was inside. You just had to click and, and kind of hope that you didn't get hacked. Um, but, you know, the internet has changed a lot, but the marketing principles are still the same. A lot of those communication principles uh, are still the same. And if you're able to effectively communicate uh, your message, and it doesn't matter if you're a local business, you could be a local business. Um, you need the internet to succeed. You need uh, a digital footprint now. You know, if you, any business that's not online is not going to be in business that long, right? You need to, at a bare minimum, a local business needs to be on Yelp and on these places, right? Um, but the power of digital marketing lets you Let's any business become a global business, right? So you could have a small company in a small town and you can turn it into a multi-million dollar empire because you're not only servicing your small town, you're able to service clients all around the world. Um, so that's number three. Uh, we, we do a deep dive. Day three is all about marketing. So it's three days. Uh, it's the Disrupt Recession Proof Bootcamp. It is three days to change your life. Um uh, day one is all about mindset. Day two is all about money. Uh, and day three is all about marketing and uh, communications. Uh, I'm really, really excited. We're putting together the lineup. Uh, this is kind of the official, unofficial uh, communication uh, about it. We we uh, haven't made the official announcement yet. Um, but the Disrupt Recession Proof Bootcamp, we are going to be doing it again. Uh, this year, we did the Disrupt DeFi Summit. Shout out to everybody who came out to the DeFi Summit. It was dope. 
Uh, we had some of the biggest crypto influencers from all around the world uh, come and speak. Right here in Puerto Rico, we rented the Puerto Rican Convention Center. Uh, but we had a lot of people that couldn't come in person, couldn't come physically. Uh, so that's why we're going back to the digital format uh, for this year's Recession Proof. So Recession Proof is all focused on business, right? Business, mindset, money, marketing, getting to the next level in your life. Um, and then the DeFi Summit, that was all about crypto. Really, really great event. Um, so yeah, uh, if you're on my newsletter, definitely look out. Uh, we're going to be sending out the information uh, for the next Recession Proof Bootcamp. It is three days to change your life. It is the best $199 you'll ever freaking spend in your whole entire life. Um, we put a lot of work uh, into putting that event on, a lot of value, a lot of incredible speakers. Uh, like when you guys see the lineup, you're going to flip out, but a lot of really, really incredible speakers that we pull. Uh, and plus, it's my team, my team that's generated millions of dollars. Uh, we kind of pull the curtain back and we let you see uh, behind the scenes of our business and we teach you the strategies that we've used to create millions of dollars online um so yeah really really excited uh for that event this is like the official unofficial announcement um check your emails for that um but i want to share real quick uh some testimonials from the last disrupt event um and if you guys were there uh i hope to see you at the virtual what's going on i'm jordan freed i just got off stage here at disrupt hey this is joel com and i'm travis wright of the bad crypto podcast hi my name is natalia hi my name is samara and we're from puerto rico this was an excellent event shout out to tony delgado disrupt ceo we're at the puerto rican convention center what a great venue the colors the sound the lighting everything was off the hook we're here at disrupt to do just that so if you have an opportunity to come to this event don't miss out I just want to say thank you, Tony. Thank you to the whole team in Disrupt. It's been an amazing event. Let's keep building. Let's keep getting together and empowering all the Latinos here in Puerto Rico and the world. Coming out to these events are a great opportunity for people to learn about what's happening in the space, to understand where Web3 is going, where the trends are, what VCs are looking at to raise money. We are at the Disrupt DeFi Summit. It has been an honor to be here. This is a great event. I really want to thank Disrupt, uh, the whole team, Latino Wall Street. I want to thank Tony for giving me this opportunity. Everyone out here is talking about Web3, cryptocurrency, all the cool stuff around technology. Learned so much, got, got a chance to meet so many people. Great opportunity to educate. We got good influencers, we got good people that want to change the whole course of Puerto Rico. So impressed um, with every person I met here today. We're super, super happy to be here in the event of Disrupt. It's really have changed our perspective and also has inspired us to be more involved in this world of crypto and Web3. We're really grateful for this organization and for Tony, all that he has done in Puerto Rico. He's changing. He's really disrupting how, how we see the space in Puerto Rico. It's an honor to be here, and we are learning a lot. The mentors has been excellent. I'm really excited to see where NFTs, crypto, and DeFi go and where we can take it here in Puerto Rico to the next level of this event. And I hope many more that will be coming from it in the future are the path forward to help Latinos take their place in Web3. This is Lenny Lopez from Puerto Rico, and I really love the event. I learned a lot. If you're not here, you're totally missing out. Be here next year. So thanks for having us, and go disrupt the world. Thank you, Tony. And we're going to be here for a long time. Thank you, Tony.